0: Is going on,
1: true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Thank you, thank you, everybody, for joining us here today at Going West. Hope everyone's having a great start to their week. Heath and I don't have much to update you guys on, so we're just going to get right into this case today.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful, sunny day today. We're in the studio, our favorite place to be, and we're going to get into this story. This is episode 115 of Going West, so let's get into it. Turn to that urgent search for a 13-year-old girl snatched at her North Carolina home as she was waiting to go to school. Overnight, the FBI released new surveillance video of the SUV speeding away with her inside. Hanya Aguilar was last seen Monday outside her home in Lumberton, North Carolina, waiting for relatives to take her to school. That's when authorities say a man wearing all black and a yellow bandana covering his face forced the girl into a green SUV like this one, an SUV belonging to a member of her family. They're going door to door with our agents and our investigators and task force officers in the search for Hanya.
1: Every day I've seen her. She was smiling, greening, She didn't have a sad face on her.
0: Police Chief Michael McNeil says that they found a body that they do believe to be Hanya's in a body of water that wasn't visible from the road. We are absolutely devastated. I wish we had a different outcome for Hanya's family. Our work is not over. We will not stop until we find the person responsible
1: and we bring them to justice. Tanya Aguilar was born on March 21, 2005 to parents Celsa Hernandez and Noé Aguilar in Fort Payne, Alabama, followed by her two younger sisters. But she, along with her sisters were raised by her mom Celsa and stepfather Miguel Barrera in Lumberton, North Carolina, which is a small town of around 20,000 people located on the Lumber River. Hanya was an incredibly bright young lady growing up. She had perfect attendance, did very well in all her classes, and even played the viola, which is in the violin family. It's known to be a bit harder to play than the violin. And she loved playing this instrument, but she also had a sporty side and played soccer. By the age of 13, she knew she wanted to be in the Marines, but she was also very creative and enjoyed drawing. So she had dreams of becoming an architect after serving in the Marine Corps. Hanya was the kind of girl who was always rocking a smile, even if she wasn't having the best day. And she easily put smiles on other people's faces with her positive attitude and comforting ways. She was really something special. Hanya
0: lived with her family in the Rosewood Mobile Home Park just off of Highway 41 in Lumberton, North Carolina. On the morning of Monday, November 5th, 2018, Hanya woke up early to get ready for school and headed out to her aunt's car to turn it on and get it heated up before heading off to her 8th grade classes at Lumberton Junior High School. And this was something she always did in the fall and winter months, and I remember doing this as well. It gets very, very cold in the fall and winter, so you gotta go heat up the car before heading off to school. And she always did this for her family so that the car would be nice and warm. This just goes to show you even more about who she was as a person. But on this November morning, when Hanya headed out to the car, something terrible happened. Neighbors heard a scream and witnessed a man wearing all black along with a yellow bandana over his face, forcing 13-year-old Hanya Aguilar into her aunt's green 2002 Ford Expedition outside of her house, and they immediately called 911. And Hanya's cousin had actually witnessed this happen from the window as well, so her family was aware of what happened immediately. Police arrived to the scene within minutes of receiving these calls, so just after 7 a.m. that morning, and even requested the assistance of the FBI. Because at this point, they have a child abduction on their hands and they want to stop this crime from going any further and just bring Hanya home.
1: Just minutes before Hanya had been abducted, another neighbor noticed the same man enter the Rosewood Mobile Home Park, and she had said that something about him just kind of gave her a bad vibe, and she had never seen him before. And then minutes later, he abducts Hanya. By 10 a.m. that morning, an Amber Alert was issued for her to quickly inform all residents in the general area to be on the lookout for the SUV as well as for Hanya herself. So everyone was desperately searching for this 5-foot, 125-pound Hispanic young lady with long black hair and brown eyes wearing a blue shirt with flowers and denim jeans. The FBI also quickly put together a $15,000 reward, which was later raised to $25,000, but another $5,000 was added to it by the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, leading to the location of Hanya. Since Amber Alerts are only issued if you have all the right criteria, you can probably already guess that Hanya's aunt was able to provide the license plate number of her car, which was NWS- 984 from South Carolina. The hood of the car had some peeling paint and there was a Clemson University sticker, which is in South Carolina, on the back of the vehicle. And all this information was listed on the missing poster that was distributed that very same day. So basically, this unknown man had just been walking around the neighborhood, saw Hanya getting into the car to start it, and then pushed her into the car and stole it. So it's obviously unknown if he was looking to abduct a child that day or if he was trying to steal a car or rob someone, at least at this point in the story. But one of the neighbors specifically saw this happen and that's what was reported to police. Well, one thing that's
0: definitely interesting to me is the fact that he pushed Tanya into the car because at that point he could have just pushed her aside, hopped into the car and stole it because the keys were already in the car. So That kind of leads me to believe that he was probably trying to abduct a child that day.
1: Right. And I'm just really glad that at least two people saw this, you know, because imagine if nobody saw this happen and then suddenly the car's gone and nobody can put the pieces of the puzzle together.
0: Yeah, exactly. That makes it a lot harder for investigators to kind of follow the tracks of this, this person.
1: Right. So very good that people saw this and now they just have to figure out where the car is going.
0: The next day, which was Tuesday, November 6th, 2018, there was still no sign of Hanya. Since the Amber Alert had been sent out three hours after she was abducted because they had to gather all the information for it first, her abductor could have easily fled the area by 10 a.m. that same morning.
1: And I know that some of the neighbors were Spanish speakers, so the police had to get a translator to help get all the information correct, so that might have delayed it as well. But yeah, that's, that's a big issue in this case is that there was that gap of time when nobody knew to look for this car and they were working as fast as they could but there was that slight delay so well
0: luckily the media was picking up on this story pretty quickly and an FBI agent even read a message during a news conference written by Hanya's mother Selsa and it stated I just want my daughter back with me I'm here waiting for you I love you and I only care about you I don't have anything against whoever did this to you I just want you back. Before this news conference took place, investigators already had 50 leads that they were following up on, and the news conference only brought more tips into the local station. After checking numerous cameras near Hanya's home, police uncovered surveillance footage of the SUV driving away from the scene at 6.52 a.m., and they urged the surrounding areas to check their home security cameras if they had them to see if they caught anything useful as well shortly after this a video was uncovered from that monday morning of said man walking near some homes outside of where the rosewood mobile home park is but the video surveillance is extremely grainy and black and white so you really can't see much at all regardless they released the video to the public hoping someone could identify this man
1: and we posted all the videos and photos from this case on our socials but yeah super frustrating all around that the man was seen walking but No one knows really any distinguishing features because of the bandana he was wearing, and he stole Hanya's aunt's car, so they can't just look up the plate numbers, it's just a mess, and none of the available surveillance footage is really doing much, but the FBI did just hope that at least someone could potentially recognize maybe his mannerisms or the way he walked, or someone else who had seen him that day would remember better details after seeing the video.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's the most frustrating part of any true crime case when there is surveillance involved. It's like, you really have to pick up on certain things. Their mannerisms, their their eye color, just a lot of different things.
1: And honestly, I feel like in most of the cases we've covered, the surveillance footage that we're working with, and this is even in 2018, and it was still black and white and grainy. So I feel like a lot of people haven't updated their home security or their business security you know maybe because it's expensive so I totally get it but we're usually working with security footage that isn't very good.
0: I know that's so true it's usually always just like you can never really recognize the person's face and I mean this person like you said is wearing a bandana so it's incredibly hard.
1: Exactly and an issue with this video and just this man walking around the neighborhood is that the residents of the area often saw people that they didn't recognize walking around the mobile home park, and as it wasn't known to be the safest area, vacant or abandoned trailers were frequently broken into, so any of the locals noticing this one particular man was a bit of a stretch. Two days after she went missing... On Wednesday, November 7th, 2018, a very emotional vigil was held at the Northeast Park in Lumberton where dozens of Hania's friends and family members came together to show their support in hopes for her safe return. Her mother spoke at the vigil, who again is Selsa, and again stated that she just wanted her daughter back and then spoke directly to Hania saying, Wherever you are, I'm with you. A handful of teachers and fellow classmates also told the media how wonderful Hanya was and that they just wanted her to come back safely so they could see her in the halls again to spread joy. But the day after the vigil, a very worrisome discovery was made by some teens. At 8 a.m. on Thursday, November 8th, some teenagers noticed the green 2002 Ford Explorer backed into some woods on Quincy Road in Lumberton, North Carolina, which is about eight miles or 13 kilometers from the Aguilar home. However, Hanya wasn't in or near the vehicle and neither was her abductor, meaning that whoever the man was had abandoned the car and somehow gotten her out of the area unseen. Police immediately blocked off the road leading to the SUV and taped off the scene so they could safely process the potential evidence inside the vehicle and figure out where Hanya was taken. And this
0: is just so tragic, because once this happens, it's almost as if you're kind of stuck. Because now, this SUV really kind of doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it does. There is some potential evidence with inside the car. But now it's so much harder to track Hanya's whereabouts.
1: Yeah, this is a really, really bad sign.
0: And processing this crime scene took a couple of days. And while this was being done, investigators asked that everyone living within one mile of this location look on their property for any clues. Whether it be their shed or outdoor building, the police were wondering if the abductor was hiding out with Hanya somewhere in the area since they didn't know how they would have been able to get out of the area without being seen or noticed. During another news conference, FBI investigator Andy De La Rocha stated, This pursuit will be relentless, and you who are out there that has information, you who are directly involved in this, And you who may have information about whatever happened afterward, we're gonna come after this. We're gonna pursue this and we're gonna pursue the people responsible and we will not stop until justice prevails. So you really have to hand it to the FBI investigators on this case as well as the sheriff's department and all the locals who are putting their time into this case because they really tried a great deal to find Hanya safe.
1: By the following evening, Hanya still hadn't been returned home So, since she grew up in a Christian household, her church in the neighboring town of Red Springs, North Carolina, had dozens of people come out and get together and pray for her safety. So, again, just a lot of members of this community coming together and showing their support for this amazing young girl. But the evidence in the SUV did not look good. Investigators discovered 17 clothing items found inside the stolen vehicle, including the shirt pants and undergarments that Hanya was wearing the day she went missing. On the underwear, semen was found as well as DNA on the steering wheel. God. So as absolutely tragic as this was, there was some DNA to work with that could help lead them to the man behind this. And since no blood was found, they just hoped that they could do so while she was still alive. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit juvederm.com. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration or itching. which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples.
0: Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better.
1: I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin-D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful
0: relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter.
1: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription.
0: Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin Clear. Use
1: as directed. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up, and this is why we have DashPass by DoorDash.
0: DashPass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts.
1: Which is why DashPass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you
0: order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with DashPass.
1: Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply.
0: So while the investigators awaited the results of the DNA tests, they also asked the general public to check their personal security cameras again but this time for the people living in the vicinity of where the car was found. They hoped to catch the abductor on camera to help identify this man before they were able to catch him via DNA, since time was very much of the essence. But the days came and went and tips continued to flood in, yet this man remained unidentified. By Thanksgiving Day on November 22nd, the FBI had nearly 800 leads and they had already conducted over 400 interviews so they had their hands very full. Meanwhile, Hanya's family spent their first Thanksgiving without her.
1: Five days later, on Tuesday, November 27th, so three weeks after Hanya was abducted from her front yard, a body was found at Wiregrass Road and Pinewood Road, just three miles or five kilometers from where the stolen SUV had been dumped and 12 miles or 19 kilometers from her home. The FBI had been searching the farmland in that area since the car had been found. And at around 4.45 p.m. that Tuesday afternoon, they finally found something. It was the unclothed body of a young girl laying face down in four and a half feet of water, which by the way was 40 degrees Fahrenheit and 4.5 degrees Celsius, with a broken plastic folding table and a tire laying on top of her as if maybe the killer was trying to conceal her remains. Although they still had to run some tests as well as an autopsy, they felt certain that the body was that of 13-year-old Hanya Aguilar. After comparing Hanya's dental records to the body they discovered, it was confirmed to be hers. While the police informed Hanya's family of their gruesome discovery, a medical examiner got to work to determine how exactly this poor girl died while the FBI was out there still desperately trying to find the man who did this. Hanya's
0: body had reached a mild to moderate state of decomposition and due in part to this, it was extremely difficult to determine her cause of death. As we assumed from the evidence found in the stolen SUV, her body showed signs of sexual assault and it was clear that she had died by homicidal violence as there were no signs of drug abuse found in her body nor any sign of disease or death by natural cause. After excluding numerous causes of death by homicidal violence, the medical examiner came to the conclusion that Hanya's death was most likely asphyxia, meaning that the killer had either strangled or suffocated her or obstructed her airways in some mechanism. But since they couldn't be completely sure of this, they had to rule her death as undetermined, but classified her manner of death as homicide. They also weren't able to conclusively say how long she had been deceased for.
1: Yeah, with decomposition, I know there's a lot of elements involved, especially since she was in 40 degrees of water. We know that her body was in a mild to moderate state of decomposition, but we still just don't know how long she had been in there. Which obviously knowing that would be helpful to determine when her murder occurred. Right,
0: yeah, but that's the hardest thing, you know, like weather has a lot to do with it. That's true, It 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 was
1: November too, so it was a chilly month. About a week and a half later, on Saturday, December 8th, 2018, police announced that an arrest was made in Hanya's case after DNA from the SUV was a positive match to a 34-year-old man named Michael Ray McClellan. But it seems his involvement had actually been mentioned from the start. Just four days after Hania had been abducted on November 9th, someone who called themselves KH had contacted Hania's tip line and reported that she knew someone named Michael Ray that may have had something to do with a crime. And she was basing this off of the video that the FBI released of the man walking. So when the FBI called her back around two and a half hours later, she mentioned that Michael Ray had shown up to the Deerfield Mobile Home Park over the weekend, and when police arrived to search the area, she saw Michael run to the wooded area behind the mobile home park, which was obviously very suspicious to her. She didn't have Michael's last name, though, so there wasn't too much police could do, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty but she did tell the FBI that he had been released from prison a couple months prior and gave a full description of him saying he was a slender black male with tattoos of teardrops under one of his eyes and that he usually wore dark hoodies and carried two guns. She also mentioned that a couple years prior, Michael had been arrested for beating an auto sales employee and stealing a car off the lot.
0: Also, by the way, Michael McClellan was interviewed by the FBI on November 12th, so one week after Hanya went missing, and just days after the SUV was found. He was asked about the Ford Expedition a couple of times during the interview, and Michael denied ever having seen it before. But he was actually kept in custody due to a warrant that was already out for his arrest. A month earlier, on October 13th, 2018, Michael McClellan had attempted a robbery in Fairmount, North Carolina, which is near Lumberton, as well as a second-degree kidnapping charge for a carjacking gone wrong. So, piece of shit. There was also a second warrant put out for Michael McClellan's arrest the day after the robbery and carjacking on October 17th, three weeks before Hanya was abducted. Because Michael had also violated the terms of his recent release from prison. So this guy had already done this before, and yeah. he was free.
1: Yeah. So when police brought him in to question him about Hania's case, they used this opportunity to finally charge him with the crimes that they should have done so a month prior, and even crazier. In September 2017, so over a year before Hania was murdered, the Robeson County Sheriff's Office, which is the county that Lumberton is located in, received evidence from North Carolina's crime lab that connected Michael McClellan to a rape case from the previous year in 2016 meaning if they had acted on this evidence when it was discovered, Hanya Aguilar would be alive today. It's really disappointing to see how much it seemed the local police cared about finding Hanya, but then realize how much they dropped the ball regarding imprisoning Michael beforehand, so this entire case could have been avoided, because obviously they didn't know that Hanya was going to be abducted and raped and murdered, but if you have DNA results proving that a local man raped someone and there's an open case for it, Like, why are you not seeking justice for that victim and putting this asshole behind bars? So yeah, you put out a warrant for him, but like, how hard were you really looking, you know? And why didn't you seriously pursue him a year earlier? It just makes you sad. And I'm not here to come down on people who worked hard on this case because I really don't know what goes on behind serving, you know, a warrant to arrest someone. It sounds like Michael was very much on the move anyway, so I can't just sit here and say that police didn't try to arrest him at all because I really don't know. But I do know how disappointed the sheriff was knowing all this after the fact because he stated, it angers me and I've got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, that's just so unfortunate that they were put in this position where I mean, they really, they really had him. I mean, they, they could have had him previous to this and a life could have been spared. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty.
1: Well, also, if you think about it, they were able to find him on November 12th when they wanted to question him. And then they're like, oh, wait, there's a warrant out for this guy. We better just book him while he's here. So clearly it wasn't that hard to find him if you were looking into him because of Hania's case. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. He's obviously not that hard to find then. So you should have done that a month earlier.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like this guy had a pretty long criminal history, so Oh, we're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, he may have been somebody you wanted to keep your eye on consistently, especially right, right. knowing, I mean, and they knew. They knew that he had raped a person previously, and they knew that he had tried to carjack somebody. So it's like putting those two pieces together, it's like you why didn't you arrest him? I just I just in my brain I just don't understand why it wasn't done.
1: And and it, it, thank you for bringing that up because it is a lot more infuriating once we get into his previous criminal history because this guy has a really lengthy criminal history. So it's like, yes, this is the guy that you want to watch. So why weren't you doing that?
0: Yeah, I mean, really only scratching the surface with the two most previous crimes before Hanya's abduction. Right. And I mean, on top of all of this, of course, it was really hard for Hanya's family to come to terms with it. Because at the end of the day, this man should have been in prison on November 5th, 2018, and Hanya should have been able to go outside and heat up her aunt's car like she always did and carry on with her day and go to school like the normal Monday it would have been. Celsa Hernandez, who again is Hanya's mother, told the local news If this man committed crimes before, I don't see the reason why he's free. I don't understand. I'm right there with you. And three different law enforcement agencies had the means and the power to bring the three separate charges to Michael McClellan for three whole weeks before Hanya's abduction. And it just wasn't done. And not only did this outrage everyone who knew Hanya, but it outraged the entire community to know what absolute negligence had occurred in their own town.
1: After Michael McClellan was positively identified by his DNA match in early December, Some people came forward with stories regarding seeing him or encountering him around the time of Hanya's abduction. And this is how we're going to get into why police even questioned him in the first place. So someone who knew Michael McClellan said that he spoke to Michael shortly before Hanya's abduction would eventually take place, and Michael had a black and silver handgun on him and said he was going to do licks, in other words, commit robberies. And Michael specifically described that he was going to rob a mobile home park on North Carolina 41, which is where Hanya's home was. And the reason he wanted to rob this particular area is because, quote, Hispanics live there and they have money and drugs. But Michael also pointed out that he knew the area had cameras, so he was going to wear his yellow bandana to cover his face. He specifically wanted to wear this one because he says he didn't want people to know he was black but instead maybe think he was a Hispanic gang member. It was also reported that Michael had confessed to a friend that he was responsible for what happened to Hanya and that, quote, her body is in the pond on Wiregrass Road. And this had actually been told to police over two weeks before her body was even found. And even Hanya's own mother had heard about this since it had been circulating on social media, and she asked police. Well, the police told Celsa that they were just rumors.
0: Oh my God! So
1: literally, they could have found her body earlier, but they were like, oh no, that's just a rumor, don't listen to that. And it was true. Oh
0: my god, that is... Okay, that's at the point where you have to stop and you have to say, are you trying? Because you should be following up on everything in an investigation.
1: I know they had... So many tips, like hundreds of tips, but if someone is literally saying that they heard the bodies in this particular area, you should probably go look there. And I know they were, because after they found the car, they had been looking out on, on that land, and that's how they eventually found her body. But it just seems like there's there really just seems to be negligence.
0: And also, in a previous report that had been made, two people explained that on the morning of Hanya's abduction, a man matching Michael's description came to their home in the Deerfield Mobile Park, which again is a few miles away from where Hanya lived at around 9 30 a.m. or 10 a.m., which is about two and a half hours after Hanya had been abducted. He was wearing all black and had a yellow bandana on and a yellow bag with him and he was all wet. He had a cup of loose change with him and asked the two people if he could wash his clothes. Not suspicious at all. Yeah, a little weird. And he was also trying to sell two video monitors. Those people let him wash his clothes and said that while he was there, their phones chimed with the Amber Alert for Hanya. But Michael's phone didn't go off, so either he didn't have one or it was turned off.
1: And isn't that crazy to think about that they're getting an Amber Alert about an abducted girl? And the abductor is in their freaking house washing his clothes.
0: Insane. That, like, honestly, knowing that afterwards must have been mind-blowing. And by the way, when the green SUV was processed, Hanya's aunt verified that a cup of change and two video monitors were missing from the car.
1: So between the monitors, the cup of change, the bandana, the clothes, and the fact that he was wet all just kind of tells us that this was Michael McClellan.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, without a doubt.
1: And also, this could mean that Hanya was dead and put into the water that she was later found in before the Amber Alert even went out, which is wild to think about. So maybe he dumped Hanya's body in the water, hence why he was wet, and then abandoned the car and then either walked or hitchhiked from the area and just kind of carried on. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Michael McClellan was from the neighboring town of Fairmont, North Carolina, and has a long-standing and very serious criminal history.
0: If you didn't already know, or if you didn't already guess that.
1: (laughs) So aside from everything we've mentioned already, he was accused of shooting a 21-year-old woman three times in the torso and leg and beating her on New Year's Eve in 2009... He has multiple previous felony charges as well as breaking and entering. And he has faced charges for assaulting a child as well as an assault with a deadly weapon and intent to kill charge. And there's more, but that's just a few of them. So on December 8th, 2018, police announced that Michael was charged with first-degree murder, first-degree forcible rape, statutory rape of a person under 15 years of age, first-degree sexual offense, statutory sex offense with a person 15 years or younger, felony restraint, felony larceny, first-degree kidnapping, abduction of a child, and finally, concealment of a death. Six months later, on May 17th, 2019, Michael was indicted by a grand jury for all the charges and the case would then move forward in the court system.
0: Unfortunately, during this whole entire case, Hanya's father, Noe Aguilar, couldn't help search for her or be with the rest of the family since he was back home in Guatemala. Despite everything that was going on, the US State Department still denied his temporary visa request and he wasn't even able to attend Hanya's funeral after her body was found. Noe said, I had hoped they would find it in their hearts to let me be there for my daughter's funeral. But North Carolina's governor, the same one who donated $5,000 to Hanya's reward fund, asked the U.S. government to reconsider, but he still wasn't granted access to the country.
1: Which is so, so sad to think about. that. Horrible. She was abducted, you know, she was missing, then they found her body, and then they found her killer, and he couldn't be there for any of it because they just wouldn't let him.
0: God, that just uh, makes me infuriated. So, on December 8, 2018, Hanya's funeral was held at the Lumberton High School gym and over 1,000 people attended to show their support and give their condolences. Most everyone wore purple, Hanya's favorite color, and many people who knew her told the crowd of their favorite Hanya memories. Knowing Hanya had wanted to someday become a Marine, numerous Marine acted as her pallbearers and placed her casket on a horse-drawn carriage that was taken to the Meadowbrook Cemetery in Lumberton, where she would be buried.
1: Michael McClellan has not confessed to his role in Hanya's case, and his trial has yet to happen, but it's scheduled for June of this year, which is 2021. He's still currently being held in jail awaiting said murder trial, and if there are no delays, more details surrounding the case could be released in just a couple months. And we will make sure to update everyone as more information comes forward on this tragic, tragic story. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West.
0: Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. What a tragic case. And, you know, like we said, we'll keep you guys updated on everything that's coming out. Um, hopefully justice will be served very swiftly
1: yeah I'm I'm so glad they caught him but I'm just it's so upsetting how avoidable this case was and how much potential Hanya had and she had a whole life ahead of her and she was so young and that's why I really wanted to cover this case because reading it I was just so fucking mad
0: yeah and on top of all of that the fact that hanya's father couldn't be there for it just really breaks my heart oh my
1: god yeah just so much anger like you're just so mad during this whole case so thank you guys for sitting through it and thanks so much for listening to this week also thank you so much to all of our patrons who have joined in the last week that's where we do bonus episodes we do full-length ad-free bonus episodes patreon.com going west podcast it really helps support the show so, thank you, everybody.
0: Yeah, and I'm working on a doozy for you guys right now, so stay tuned for that.
1: Ooh, I'm excited. So, first and foremost, thank you so much to Autumn, Jania, Lauren, Jessica, Janessa, Emily, Bailey, and Mike. And we got a
0: big thanks going out to Stacy, Jennifer, Bethany, Jackie, Molly, JL Blades, Dark Empire, ooh, spooky,
1: and Clara. <laughs> thank you so much to Holly. Thank you, Pamela, Caitlin, Leah, Marley, Deshia Mariah. I think it's Mariah. Thank you so much to Lori and thank you to Anna. Again, joining Patreon helps out the show so, so much and it means a lot to us when you guys do that. And in turn, you get a bunch of bonus episodes. We have over, what is it, He's now, 37 full-length bonus episodes to binge?
0: Yeah, and they're ad-free. So if you hate Holy ads, cow. head over there, get yourself some ad-free episodes. And like she said, full-length. And I, I honestly love putting together those bonus episodes for you guys. It's so much fun. And I love that you guys are listening to them and loving them. So make sure you tell your friends. If you're a patron, tell your friends to join.
1: And also, for everybody who's trying to rock some new Going West merch this spring and summer, we are releasing a... A collection very soon in the next couple weeks. I'm really excited. I actually am rocking my new phone case that I can't wait to release because it's so cute and I love it. And yeah, so stay tuned for that. That'll be up on our website and we'll let you know when.
0: And I also forced Daphne to release a fanny pack. So if you're a fanny pack person...
1: I did it. I did it fine. (laughs) She
0: did it for me. So if you want a a Going West fanny pack and you're trying to rock that shit like it's 1984, (laughs) go pick up yours.
1: (laughs) It's not available yet, but it will be. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of stuff. We have a towel, like a beach towel. We have beach bags. We're going to be doing new t-shirts, new like spring colored sweatshirts. It's, it's really, I'm really into it.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the way you can find all those things is heading over to our website, goingwestpod.com and you just click the shop tab.
1: Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Well, we're going to release that in the next couple weeks. So get ready. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, cheerio and don't be a stranger.